Salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of How You Feeling, an episode or a podcast dedicated to exploring emotional intelligence in a practical and useful way. As always, I am your host, Dr. C. I am so excited to be here with you today. Uh, today is sort of a part two to last time's episode, where we're sort of extending the idea of core beliefs um, and giving it some some balance in terms of positive and negative, uh, and that that being the topic of empowering and limiting beliefs. And I'm so excited to be exploring this topic because I think it's going to be very useful in general, but certainly speaking to our current climate, uh, it will it will perhaps ring some bells for us. And exploring this topic with me is our favorite co-host, Dr. Jeff Haverland. Jeff, how are you feeling? Hey, good morning. Um, you know, so I'm I'm running two ways today. I'm we are a couple of days out from sending Jack to um, St. Ambrose for the his fall, hopefully his fall. Um, so I'm I'm definitely dealing with some conflicted things. I'm very anxious right now in kind of a negative way of him just trying you know we're we're watching him kind of leave and that's very freaky for a parent because all you can do is hope the world isn't you know too big of a bully um when he heads out there and and so and he of course i mean he'll struggle i'm sure but i think i'm struggling the worst in our family like yesterday sure. I'm sitting here listening to the new taylor swift album which i'm 100 percent hooked on um in mid-song <laughs> which had nothing to do with anything. I just sobbed like out loud. It was the craziest thing. And it was all about this whole, it's almost like this weird loss. And, you know, I know there's, you know, he's, it's not like he's dead. I mean, he's alive, he's pursuing something. It should be really exciting. And at the same time, it's just, you know, bordering on horrific some days, but, but, uh, for those of who have seen my Facebook page, you know, we, we just brought a new cat shark bait into our family. Um, and that's my other side of the thing where I'm, I'm very much, I will go with the word like joyful, um, playful interest somewhere in there because my, how my family has adapted to this little thing um, is just mind boggling to me. And it has produced some of my, probably the funniest moments of my summer um, mostly in the fact that it just scares the holy hell out of my wife because it'll just be wobbling around on the floor and then it will just take off in her direction a hundred miles an hour. And I don't know what it is, but it is my greatest source of entertainment right now. And so, so, you know, I'm laughing one minute, I'm sobbing the other minute. I feel like I'm absolutely losing my freaking mind at this point. Um, but Hey, such is the time of year, I guess. Um, so anyway, how about you? How are you feeling? Uh, well, I have to say, if that's not the uh, the embodiment of the yin and the yang, I don't know <laughs> what is. It sounds like you're activating all of your emotional pools very well right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I would be in a similar boat to you, um, not as drastic as sending a child to a different city for college, but my girls start back to school. Uh, we call it school in our house uh, on Monday. And... This summer has just been so unique and wonderful and just getting to spend time with my girls that now sort of work is starting and, I, and I'm really trying to hang on to not, not taking all of that for granted, right? Like I, because once the routine starts, now I'm back in work mode um, and, and, you know, there's things to get done and people to meet and, and issues to solve. And it, I've just been trying to soak up every minute of every laugh, every cry, every 
discovery every fruit snack and Monday that all kind of goes back to normal and so I, I it's just been such a treat despite the reason for the treat and so I think I'm, I'm kind of in a similar headspace to you with with Jack going to college is that you know my my girls are going to their routine and you know uh, my my infant you know she doesn't obviously know enough to know of new friends and emotions and all of that but you know Olivia very much is learning empathy and learning how to share and learning what other people in her space mean. And, you know, no parent wants their kid to be the one sitting on the side while everyone else is joking and laughing. And if she's anything like me and Tegan, she's going to be just fine. And I know she is, but you know, parents worry regardless. And so now that I'm in that, that ballpark, I think I'm sharing some of that with you, but I know on that other side, like with you and, and the cats, you know, she, Olivia's going to just thrive. And she's such a social and fabulous little girl that, you know, being around her friends again is just going to do wonders. And so I'm, I'm very excited for that to start again uh, because I know that's very vital to her. So, well, and yeah, you, you know, as a parent that, you know, that's going to be kind of your reality for the next probably lifetime, <laughs> you know, and um, it's, it's funny. I was thinking about, this song tanya tucker has a song about bring them flowers and one of the lines in it is that yeah the days go slow but the years are like lightning and honest to god i that song plays in my head over and over because everybody always said to me it it'll seem like it's going slow but all of a sudden you'll look back and you'll be like oh my god it all is done and and it is really a funny reality that you know i used to kind of scoff at those people and now I kind of want to be like, well, hell, I'd take I'd hate take the crying nights again, you know, when they're an itty bitty and, sure. and all the other stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly, just for a, a while more. But then I would never be satisfied because I'm always going to want more of it. Sure. But that little lyric from that song is like, seriously, that is my headspace lately, which is probably a good thing. Um, sure. Sure helps me put stuff into perspective but but yeah you you sending them to daycare that was a traumatic thing for me as well um it it's just one of those things you know and how are they going to react they've been with right. you forever yes uh, you know oh, monday's going to be awful i i <laughs> olivia will be clinging to my leg uh, it, she we've been sort of talking her up this week of yeah we're gonna start school again and she's like you know very like yay you know that sort of thing but <laughs> But the yay won't be the yay on Monday when I'm, you know, handing her off to her teacher and, and, and that. So I know Monday is going to be rough for Olivia, and I'm just sort of trying to prepare for it. So. Yep, I get it. But that's all right. Once she gets back in the swing of things, I know it's going to be just fine. So, Well, good. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, we are talking about the concept of empowering and limiting beliefs today. And it's, it's an extension of last time's talk on core beliefs for, from the perspective of core beliefs that we have take on both very positive and very negative vibes with us based on how that core belief formed. And so we're really going to sort of dig into that a little bit today. But before we get going, you know, I'll toss the introductory question, Jeff, to you of what is your take on sort of the, the macro level idea of empowering and limiting beliefs? So for me, I look at empowering beliefs as something that, you know, by its very, um, just the word itself, empowerment is, it sounds really good. It sounds like a very positive thing. And, and so to me, as an empowering belief is a belief you have, that's really going to help you move forward in life. In theory, it should help you promote 
productive relationships, healthy living, all of that. But when I think about this, and actually before I go into my butt, I'll go to the limiting beliefs. They'd be the ones that have, in theory would hold us back in life. Um, but I, sometimes I, I struggle with this language um, because empowering beliefs, although they can be very good and they are driving force, I think they also, you know, can have the potential to be, you know, it could be almost a false empowerment that puts you in uh, situations that may be above your head. And I think with limiting beliefs, I think sometimes limiting beliefs can actually serve as a protective factor um, that uh, they can help, you know, it's your head's way or body's way of saying, you know, I'm not thinking this is a good idea right now. Um, and so I've always struggled with these two because I know what they are. I believe in the whole idea of an empowering and a limiting belief. But I think they sometimes should almost come with an asterisk of in most situations. Uh, sure, sure. But I don't know. I mean, how would you how would you respond to that? No, I, I, I agree. And I, you talk about sort of going back to song quotes or just quotes in general. But like when I think of this, I think largely of that idea that the bad is never as bad as it seems and the good is, is never as good as it seems like there's always that that balance uh, in, in these things. And so I think you're right in, in, in the ideal sense, an empowering belief should very much spur you towards a- activity and productivity and proactivity. Um, and the limiting belief probably keeps you from doing that. And like the extreme of the empowering belief would probably be like a false bravado, like you talked about. And, and the, the, the extreme of that limiting belief is the superlative. Like I will never, or I, I always mess it like to where it's like where your friends and family would probably want to shake you and be like, Hey man, like you, you can do this, like stop like being so self-deprecating. And so I think like with a lot of things, you take anything to the extreme and it sets you up for potential failure, but, but take it in context and taken in sort of the spirit of what it is. I think it's a great reflection tool for helping us to figure out to me, what are our strengths and what are our growth points? Um, and so that's how I kind of look at it. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a, that is definitely, that's good. Um, I, I kind of was wondering, almost worried that I might was on my own out there with that whole idea that, that it isn't just as black and white as it, it seems like it should be. But um, so I think you've kind of already addressed the whole idea of what does empowering mean to you, but do you, do you have anything more to add to that idea? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, I think my big thing, and I actually was just having a conversation with a former athlete of mine, um, as she has turned to the world of like fitness coaching, you know, like, like niche sort of boutique fitness coaching. And I don't say that as, as a negative thing, but just like, she's not working at a gym. She sort of has gotten her training on her own and leads like small group sessions. Um, and she had listed her event as like a, a female empowerment session. And I just sort of reached out to her and I was like, well, Hey, I'm just very interested to know what you mean when you say empowering, because I think that the danger in that word is that many people are using it in a, in, in a handful of different ways that sort of skew perhaps what the, what the core, what the core of it, of it really sort of means. And, and so that's sort of when I think of empowering and as a word, and I think of what we mean in this context, you know, I, I think, specifically in this context it to me empowering means motivating uh and motivating 
to action versus mo- like where, where limiting would be motivating away from action. Um, and so I think when, when we keep that in mind, I think it helps us to use the term in the way that we mean it and not sort of in a, a more ambiguous way that is being thrown around in several discipline areas. Uh, and so that's what I would add is when we think of empowering uh, as a word and in terms of linking it to a belief, you know, these are these are beliefs that we have that motivate us to want to do something because we either feel good about it, feel good about how it makes us feel, know that we have an aptitude for it, that sort of thing. Um, does that make sense? That makes complete sense. Um, so, yeah. So then I'll, I'll, I'll volley back to you for the limiting word to let you get some thoughts on that. So, I, you know, I look at both empowering and limiting as very much. Um, I think there's a lot to do with them being context driven that they, um, you know, context driven people driven. I think a lot of people put ideas into our head, whether it be maliciously or, um, you know, regardless of intent, they, we, we kind of take our cues from other people in what we are capable of doing, what we're allowed to do, et cetera, et cetera, from, you know, it seems like from the day we were born. Um, and so, but, this whole idea of limiting, you know, personally to me is that it, it really is that thing that stops you in your tracks and can, you know, whether it be for a good reason or a bad reason, that whole idea of, of limiting is truly, you take it right from the word. It's preventing you from going further, from doing more. Um, this, you know, in education, I see so much of this, um, uh, this whole limiting and empowering beliefs and the trick with it is knowing how to use it, how to, you know, it's like giving praise. It can't be done all the time. Um, it has to be done in a very specific way. It has to be directed right at the person. And, you know, anytime we use our words in a way that we direct it specifically at somebody, depending on how those words are taken in, regardless of our, our intent can really be, um, both empowering and it can also be highly limiting and um, just <laughs> that to me especially in terms of just thinking about that whole language idea or you know how we what we want to say and what really comes out of our mouth when we throw it together with tone and our body language a million other things um, can really be limiting even though we think it's empowering um, sure you know you and I grew up in a family that um, they empowered very bluntly, you know, like they would say stuff and you're like, holy hell, you must have thought that was a good idea to say. But how <laughs> I believed it is 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 not good. It just put the brakes on. Me. So um, that's how I tend to look at that whole limiting thing, though. Again, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. You know, I want to fly, but I know if I run off the edge of a cliff and flap my arms, I'm probably going to hit the ground faster than I can imagine. Right. So, sure. No, my limiting belief is OK that I'm incapable of flying on my own. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you can go with silly little things like that. But but they do. They can potentially hold us back. I mean, how do I know? I might fly off the cliff and, and stay up in the air, right? Yeah, you very well could, and I would totally see that. I, uh... <laughs> but the reality is I'm probably going to hit the ground like everything else. And so, um, but limiting is just that. It, it kind of puts an obstacle in our way. I don't know that it's a bad thing because it can also give us a chance to, to really think about it and say, 
okay, so at this point in my time, I know in time, I know I can't do this or I'm not equipped to do this. But if I do this and this and this, a limiting belief could actually serve in a way as a motivation. Sure. Uh, if, if you have been built up in a way that allows you to see that transition and act on it. Sure. Okay. No, I, I, I agree. No, I agree. And I like, I'll just add quick that, yeah, like sometimes, like you said, limiting can be sort of that, that risk button of, well, just be careful. Like, you know, that, like the sort of that, that cautionary. Um, but yeah, it can also just be flat out destructive. So, yeah. So how about we go right into it then? What, sure. what, what is an example for you of a limiting belief um, that a person might have even yourself or, you know, in general? Sure. Uh, well, I, I would say, so I'll, I'll speak general first, and then I'll speak to myself. But I think one of the things that always as an educator gets to me immediately, like, is, is, and let me also just say before I start this, the thing about beliefs, and I think we covered this last time, but in case we didn't give it the due that it was, that, that was necessary. Beliefs in general, are, are sort of bodies of work, right? Like, like, the beliefs that we have, good, bad, and otherwise, are not a one sample data set that we immediately just become, that just becomes ingrained. Like this is a series of things that are reinforced or, or continue to be repeated. Um, and, and so beliefs largely are molded over time. They're not, they're not typically something you just wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, I believe in this. And it's just, that's what it is. Because you could very quickly have that be refuted or debunked or whatever. And so I think that's important to know because what I'm going to say as, as an example of a sort of general limiting belief is we'll, we'll even just say super superficial and say like someone believing that they're, they don't have an aptitude for something like math. Right. And, and so that, that body of work that got them to that point is maybe poor math test scores having someone in your life say, boy, you just really don't get this math thing, do you? Like, it's that it's that reinforced system of messages and like your own experiences that lead to you finally saying, well, I guess I'm just never going to be good at math. Um, and, and that limiting belief of math aptitude might hold you, like when we talk about holding back, maybe you don't apply for a job that, that relies on math because, well, I was never good at it and I don't want to mess things up. Or or might not pursue a class in, in school because, well, I know that's going to involve a lot of math and I'm not really good at math, so I'm just not going to try. When, just like in anything else, there are different sort of arms or branches off of the tree that is math, right? And I learned that sort of going through my advanced degrees where there's, there's statistics, there's algebra, there's just basic arithmetic, and not every case calls on every type. And so just because maybe you weren't good at part A doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be at part B, but because you've sort of generalized it into this belief of I'm never going to be good at math, you, that could hold you back from pursuing opportunities that you might be really good at that happen to involve math. Um, and so that's how I sort of think about it more in the general sense. But then personalized, one of the things that, that I've had to work very hard to overcome is sort of that battle with weight. And sort of that, well, I guess I'm just, I'll, I'll, I'll always just be the big guy or, or I'm just, you know, always going to be fluffy or, you know, insert favorite big term here. Um, and, you know, that comes about again from just 
having it, you know, like, like the little, you know, jokes that, that kids would say, you know, like how many times I've been called tons of fun or, or whatever. And you sort of try to laugh it off as, ha ha, you know, that's just, oh, that's just the way that he says it or whatever. And it gets to the point where you look yourself in the mirror and you go, well, I guess I'm never going to be able to fit into this kind of clothing, or I'm never going to be able to pull this kind of style off because I'm always going to be the big guy. And it has taken a lot of years and several attempts to really dig my heels in to say, okay, I don't want this for me anymore. What can I do to fix it? But what I have found to, to sort of happen time and time again, and I think that, that many will, or many have been in this boat, no amount of your mom or dad or your brother or sister or your partner or spouse or other people in your life telling you to change is ever going to make you change until you're ready to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I don't like this limiting belief anymore. What can I do to, to, to change it? And so again, I, I have ridden the roller coaster several times uh, and unfortunately I'm, I'm on, on the, the good side of that coaster right now uh, because I've taken into account other implications in my, my life story that, that will count on me not being, the bigger guy. Um, but, but trust me that it, it is a struggle and it will always be a struggle. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't want to call up little Caesars and smash a deep dish pizza all on my own. Um, but I think it's once you sort of learn what those contributing factors to those limiting beliefs are, then it's up to you to choose to be done with it and try to fix it or to stay stuck in it as that, well, I'm always just going to be. Uh, and so that sort of is my, I hope that that answers that question. Uh, what, what did I miss or what, what might you add to that? Well, I got to tell you, it's funny because I, you know, as I threw that question out to you, I kind of wrote down my two. Um, and the first one was I suck at math. And um, this is a common one we talk about in, in uh, training teachers because, you know, most kids don't necessarily learn that they suck at math um, in this weird natural epiphany, they learn it because of how things are said, um, you know, the, the uh, opportunities that they get, things like that, you know, and I think of one, a very powerful one for me um, was my daughter who, who definitely, if she had to tell you, she would tell you that she sucks at math, that she's no good at it, um, which is a really hard thing because, you know, if you look at the, the jobs out there, that you know math is math is kind of important she wants to be a veterinarian or she wants to be a dermatologist and and i get things will change she's 15 years old but just in case they don't we spend a lot of time with that limiting belief and and where the the limiting belief really i can and i can't it's probably a good thing i can't remember the teacher who said it um but the limiting belief that really made us understand in a huge way or the comment um is that Anna had studied for this test, for a math test. She studied a, a lot. And I studied with her. Like, I was trying to help teach her, trying to work her through some things. Um, and she had already built up this reservoir of, I suck at math, I'll never be good at it. Um, and and so it was a really challenging thing to to try to get her to be positive about learning, to try to get her to, to do better prepping for this test. Well, she takes the test and she doesn't do well, which then automatically reinforces that self-fulfilling prophecy of, see, I sucked at math. And, and so 
what made it worse besides, because we can work through the self-fulfilling. I mean, we all fall into our feelings occasionally. But what had happened is the teacher said to her, you know what, maybe next time you just need to prepare more and try harder. Oh, geez. So from what I recall from the night, especially the night before studying for that was when, you know, she was in tears, when we were almost seriously, it felt like we were getting close to a fist fight over this. And she was just sad. Like it had hit this point where she, she lacked that empowerment or that ability to be empowered. And so when that teacher in there, you know, I'm sure they weren't being malicious. They were trying to give this like, you know, backdoor, um, you know, kind of, hey, just keep working hard. But what it really said is you're hard the, or how, th- how hard you worked is really not good enough. And therefore, you are what you are and you wear, you're where you are because you're just not good enough. And so that was a really big eye opening moment for me. And even as a teacher, my whole career, it was not until I had kids that I really understood the whole notion of a limiting belief and what what you can do to kids by what you say and what you do if you're not cognizant of of the reality that they bring into your classroom. And so, you know, this this limiting thing can be really, really challenging. And it is it is lifelong. If you cannot nip it, it is lifelong. And if if it's year after year, you know, you I feel like I suck at math and then I do bad. My grades say I suck at math. So now as I get higher in education, they're going to push me toward more classes that that are lower level math and things like that. All of a sudden we we start limiting career choices. We start limiting access to to certain opportunities. And to me, that's a crime. And so for me to like, I know I'm soapboxing here, but that is a limiting belief that that makes me really crazy. And I think if people would step back and just ask questions, you know, you know, when kids will say to you, I don't get it. Well, what don't you get? You don't get all of the unit on genetics like or you don't get one thing. And if we fix one thing and you are confident at that one thing, will it help you move to a second thing? And so I think it's really about our approach. Well, so that's my kind of general example. But then you had talked about weight, too. And I have battled weight, holy hell, my entire life. I hate it. I wish I was some, you know, skinny person. And I'm, I know I've met really skinny people out there who tell me they wish they had more meat on them. And then you laugh and you say, oh, I'd love to give you some of mine kind of stuff, you know, right? So, um, but the, the reality is, is weight is very much it can really be limiting, especially in if you take any kind of medication for any other issue, um, if your environment doesn't allow you to, you know, have access to what you need in order to be healthier, make healthier choices, um, whether that be people supporting you or actively working against you or whatever. Um, and it, it is such a roller coaster that if you are not, if you don't, if you really are not empowered, Um, you know, you lose a bunch of weight and all of a sudden you gain it back and it seems like you gained it back faster than you lost it. And that gets to be a really frustrating thing. And it can be one of those things where we're like, well, screw it. I'm just always going to be, as you said, the big guy. And and I don't want to be the fluffy guy anymore. I don't want to be the guy on the beach who scares the hell out of all the kids because, you know, I, (laughs) of the way I look, you know, and so, so, however, that being said, I've moved to a place with, with that where I, and it drives my family nuts, but I will make jokes about my weight 
And they'll be like, I don't get it. And I'm like, okay, so if I don't do that, whether it be healthy or unhealthy, if I don't do that, then I start to take it in a way and a very limiting, very seriously personal way that, that I don't feel like I can conquer it. But if I can make light of it and I can really go after it to me, I can start switching that limiting belief to, all right, I can do this. And so, so it's just a personal way to, to escape that. And so you asked me this question like 15 minutes ago. (laughs) So, um, so, but those are my two, it just made me laugh that we both kind of hammered on the same ones, but. Well, and I think too, and, and, and you made a great point and I wanted to just circle back to sort of generalize it, but even if, you're able to nip your limiting belief. Like even if Anna is able to say to herself, well, you know what? Maybe I'm not good at X and Y, but, but boy, I really sort of get Z and I want to build off of that. I think that, that both empowering and limit, like beliefs in general, always sort of remain as a default. And so even if Anna feels like she's conquered the, the growth points in math that she really wants to accomplish, even the next time she comes up to a math problem, there's still going to be that initial like, Ugh, like that, that, that shock of, oh, geez, there's another math problem or yeah. for the weight, you know, you, 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 you are in a good place and you feel like you've got good, healthy habits. And the next time you go to family Thanksgiving and you see that lineup of food, you still have that. Ooh. Um, and I think that, that that's probably a good thing in my opinion, because still sort of having that as part of your programming at least gives you sort of that gut check both ways of either, no, you've got this, let's go, or remember when, and maybe it can help to keep us on the right track. Yeah. So I think even if we conquer these things, they still sort of remain as a, as, as part of the flow chart because they, they have become ingrained as a belief. Absolutely. So I just wanted to sort of add that to that. No, it's good. Um, all right, so then let me let let's resurrect uh, this talk and, and get to the positive side of things. <laughs> what, what's an example of of both a general and a personal empowering belief that you have? So I think of you know with empowering beliefs, um, you know this idea of we can be better, we can try harder, we can continue to work, um, and it improves who we are as a person. All of that stuff, you know, I think of a. It, you know, my my son is getting ready, as I said before, to go off to college and he's trying to pay off his car and he's trying to get a certain amount for college or he was. Well, my wife always had this really interesting way of saving money um, that I always laughed in my head about thinking it was like people burying jars of money in the backyard. But she would keep these envelopes and the envelope would say like car or clothing or whatever. And every paycheck she got, she'd drop money into this. And it actually really paid off over time that literally, I guess, and figuratively that, (laughs) you know, when the envelope filled up, she was able to get that goal that she had knowing that it was a payoff from her being responsible with money and really going after it. Well, she decided to teach my son this. um, And we did it in terms of his bank account. And, you know, so every paycheck he got from his job, we said, okay, whatever the paycheck amount is, you keep 15%. The other 50% goes to your college fund, the other 25%, whatever it was, goes to your car. Um, And about three weeks ago, he came up to us and he's like, I did it. 
I hit my goal. Like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know how I've been putting money away? He's like, I have college, the remainder of college paid off for the year. I have this much money in my account for, um, for my car payment. And I have this much money ready to go for spending money. Oh my God. Like you don't understand. I grew up with my ADHD boy who has the attention span of a gnat. He and I are, we are identical. Um, and so if you've been around me long enough, you know, I can run down a rabbit hole in a second. Um, I'm usually chasing him down that rabbit hole. So, um, so for him to finally feel the empowerment of, wow, that goal seemed almost insurmountable. It was never going to happen no matter what he did slowly building that up all of a sudden he is now empowered that he's met this goal he's done something he didn't think he would have to do it's just or he could do um and so i i see this new found kind of empowerment in him um and you know i think as a general empowerment as a college professor you know, I, I kind of talked about limiting beliefs with math and you did as well. But but, you know, when we get students in here um, who, you know, they want to become teachers or they they want to become nurses or um, they want to pursue, um, you know, health, wellness, sports kinds of uh, positions. You know, we always run into difficult classes and we everybody does. We've all met our match. You know, for me, it goes back to organic chemistry. Um, that it, it was like learning, it was like learning Russian from somebody who only spoke Latin. It to me, it was the craziest, um, moment of transition, being able to understand organic chemistry enough to get through the class. And I think we need to think about that with, um, all of our students who come in here, that even if we think a class is easy as teachers, professors, whatever, that, well, this is simple. You just have to think about it this way. Well, we don't always think about it that way. So if we can learn to change our approach to give people these little successes, you know, then all of a sudden you get kids. Like I think of students who I've had in my time here who will come back to me and, and say, you know, it's really kind of cool how you believed in me. Well, why wouldn't I believe in you? Like you, you have every right to be here as every other person standing around you. And I'm at most decent human beings should offer you that feeling that that you can do this, even if it's hard, even if it makes you sweat and cry and lose your temper, that at the end of the day, you are able to do it. And I, to me, that education is the power, the true power of education. I don't care whether you're in college. I don't care whether you're learning a trade. I don't care whether you're working in a factory. The bottom line is, is when you learn things, when you retain those things, when you can put those things to use in different ways, meaningful ways, that to me is it, it just embodies empowerment because it takes your experience. It, it lets you know that you have the potential and you go after it and you, you can, you know, it's just so transforming to me. And so it's probably why I drank the Kool-Aid so readily on on education in any form because it is the ultimate game changer. And if we can get people to be empowered by education, we're going to continue to grow as a nation, as a world. People are going to get the opportunities that they deserve. Um, it's just we got to get past using it as some kind of limiting thing. Sure. And so that would be my example of empowerment um, personally and globally. What about you? 
Um, yeah, well, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of times I, I see like you in the education world where more often than not, I see in limiting beliefs transforming into empowering beliefs in classrooms and in, in practical settings where it's like, oh, I didn't think that I could lead a small group and I actually had to and I did really well, like that sort of thing. And so generally, I think I, that's the kind of things that I look for is those sort of landmark events that that are that turning point for a young person where they go, well, boy, I never thought I was really good at X, Y, or Z. And then you, you asked me to do this or I sought this thing out on my own and lo and behold, I, I actually am, am able to do it. And, and so rather than sort of harp on a very specific belief, I think, uh, I think that's what I kind of look for in sort of the general, not personal sense is that those sort of, I'll say light bulb moments, but more, I, I think landmark event is maybe more what I'm trying to get at. And then personally, you know, I think that, that an empowering belief that, that I was brought up with and I continue to reinforce and it has continued to bear good fruit is that, that, that empowering belief of family and, you know, doing for those. And, and again, when I say family, I don't, I, I, I mostly mean blood but i think anybody that you let into your life and you care about has the capacity to become family um but that that idea that if you do right by those that care about you that that usually they will do right by you in good times and in bad times uh, and that is one that continues to reinforce itself as an empowering belief for me is stepping up for those that you consider to be family whether they're blood or not um because you care about and are, and are invested enough in them that you're willing to do those things, whether it's make sacrifices, rearrange schedules, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and that continues to make me feel very warm and fuzzy knowing that if you trust someone as family and continue to, to cultivate them in that role, that they're going to do for you selflessly in the same way that you would do for them, because that's what you do for those that you care about and are invested in. So let me let me ask you something then, because we've sure. been there where like I love your notion of family. Um, it has been shown to me in ways, especially this summer, whether again it be blood or not, um, why that is something to invest in, believe in, why it should be empowering. But what happens, you know, let's talk about, you know, whether it be family, whether it be blood family or or just your friends, you know, how do you help people or how do you help people understand what happens when they do put themselves out there? They believe in family, they believe in relationships and they put themselves out there and who they put themselves out there to absolutely cuts them off at the knees. How do you help people reconcile that idea that that doesn't mean that your empowering belief about family is trash? You know, it just sometimes means that they're it's just not it doesn't fit every bill. How do you help in your mind work through things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, And that's tough because I don't think that there's a one size fits all approach to that. Um because it's very, and I know we've encountered students in our class, and I know that we've encountered people that we have in common, where the comment we get is, well, I've been burned too many times in the past, and now I just have a wall, and I don't let anybody over it. And (laughs) I was just talking to a friend about our our good friend, Brene Brown, and and how much I love her messages, but boy, her voice just grinds on me. (laughs) But (laughs) 
But I think it was one of her videos that, that we were watching where it, she was talking about how sort of true love, and that doesn't always mean amorous love, but just love in the sense that it's that care and investment in somewhere else, someone else. True love takes sacrifice. True love takes um, risk. And true love takes vulnerability because you will get burned. Like, I don't know that there's anybody that is batting a thousand in relationships and trust and everyone's always done right by them. But I think in the same way that nobody bats a thousand, nobody bats zero. Um, and I think for me, one of the things that I would say is first, it is definitely okay to feel the pain of being burned. Like, do not think you have to get over that, but there are toxic people in the world. And you opened yourself up and you were vulnerable and you gave them the chance to be that, to be a person for you in that role. And they neglected or disrespected or took advantage of that. That's going to happen. And so now the, the adult decision is learning how to, to essentially love them from a distance. Um, and I think that's easier with non-blood because typically with blood blood you have to see them at family gatherings you have to see them at events more often than you might have to for someone who is not but all the same you know one of the things that i have continued to live by and sort of preach is the power of just overt communication and if someone has hurt you in some way like you said earlier, sometimes you intend things to come across one way and they don't come across that way. Sometimes people behave in a way that they don't see as destructive that you have. And my whole thing is I don't like, I hate beef. I hate there being sort of tension if there doesn't need to be. And I'm not perfect on this, but I try very hard that if I've internalized something the wrong way, where that could become some sort of damaging belief, I go to that person as quickly as I can and just say, listen, I felt this way when you reacted the way you did. Here's how that made me feel. And here's how I want to try to work through that. Um, and, and I know that's not easy. And trust me, I know that, that that takes a lot of time and practice to do. But keep loving. Keep putting yourself out there. Because losing that sense of vulnerability can, can really close off what could be a very next great relationship. And I say this as a generalization. Please understand that, that I'm saying this knowing that it, it is not the one-size-fits-all approach. But one of my go-tos for myself that I will use in situations that, that need it is you shouldn't penalize people in your future for people in your past. And just because you had a bad boyfriend or girlfriend or a family member that did not treat you with the love that they should have doesn't mean that the next person is going to do that. And if you sort of pre-penalize that, that next person for how a person in a similar role in the past treated you, you could be really missing out on something special. And as you say, that, that idea of grace. And again, I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm in the minority in this, but I tend to love a person immediately until they give me a reason not to. And I know that's not an easy way to do it, but I have found in my own experience that that has opened up relationships that maybe I wouldn't have thought could have been one, but giving them that grace and that space to be that until they've proven that they can't be, I feel in my experience has really opened the door to a lot of great relationships, even though it has meant having to end some because they were toxic. 
Good. That that is perfect. That that helps me better understand, and hopefully, it'll, you know, give people out there an idea of of how to reconcile that. So, so, but also, sorry, can I jump in and just again reiterate? Please understand, listeners and and whoever else is needing to hear this. You don't ever have to get over something. I know that that's sort of a common. Oh, come on, get over it. You know, uh, suck it up. The whole journey of emotional intelligence is is not learning how to get over it. It's learning how to work with these pieces of your life. And so, please, if you get burned by a toxic person, you never have to get over that hurt. You're allowed to experience and 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 live that hurt. And so that's why I would never minimize someone saying, well, I've been burned too many times before. I believe you, but understand that there still are a lot of good people out there and a lot of love in the world. You just have to try to keep yourself open to receiving some of that. And so I just want to make sure I said that. Sorry. No, and I'm glad you said that because let's face it, a great deal of us, number of us grew up with the, you know, rub some dirt on it, get, get back out there, stand back up, you know, get over it kind of mentality. And and I know enough people in this world who still believe that. Oh, you're, you're feeling hurt right now? Well, why don't you get over that? Um, and so I, I'm really glad you you kind of um, uh, focused on that point a little bit. And um, so how about, how do you think then, because you really, you really have dug into this, but uh, more, I guess, in an explicit way, how do you believe that empowering and limiting beliefs actually um, affect our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions? Well, and, and I think that's a great question. And I think you and I have sort of already put the pieces in play on it. But to sort of bring it all together, you know, I think as it relates to if we look at the thoughts and feelings and emotions as the pre-action and like the behavior as the post-action, I think the way that these beliefs can affect us is, as, as we said at the beginning, they can either motivate us to try something new or hold us back from trying something new in a lot of cases. Um and, and, you know, something as simple and maybe as benign as joining a, a club on campus or joining a volunteer organization in your city, all the way up to applying for a job, you know, and I, and I think where these beliefs can really help or, or hurt the pre-action step is that, well, boy, I've never really been good at this in the past, or, you know, I, I certainly don't have enough experience to even apply for this job, or or there's no way that anyone will consider me for this position because I've only done, I've only done one thing and I know people have done three or four. Well, that's the sort of mentality that, that we have to fight against, especially on the empowering side, because you don't know what they're looking for. Right. I think that sort of is the, the beauty of, of taking risks is your preconceived notions might sort of try to inform some of that. But at the end of the day, maybe we assume they're looking for someone more experienced when they're actually looking for someone newer with energy and whatever. And so be very mindful of that is, is they can have, they can have that, that motivating, that positive motivating or negative motivating effect on our thoughts, our feelings and our emotions that, that could either push us or, or hold us back. And, and it's not if it will happen, but it's being open to knowing that it can happen and, and how do we want that to play out? Yeah, I that it totally makes sense the way you say that and makes me think of a student that you and I had a couple of years ago who, you know, he was very, very open about dating and how, um, you know, his 
he struck out definitely more than than he he actually got a hit um and how but he was so like he was so well grounded in the idea that if you know if you're not willing to put yourself out there and try you might never have an opportunity to succeed and so he took stuff in such stride when you know he'd come in and be like oh it was a bad night you know these these uh you know i was out and i tried to meet somebody and they shut him down like crazy and you know the one time i remember asking him if if he quit that and he was like well no why would i quit you know there'd be <laughs> there there'd be no other opportunities i'm like wow, right that's a well a pretty grounded uh, impressive thought um yeah for sure <laughs> all right so then let me uh press you first on the post-action step how do you think that the empowering and limiting beliefs can affect the behavior or the course of action that we choose after after we sort of process well i think in a big way empowering and limiting beliefs can can you know we talk about the path that we take the behavior that we do whatever um you know if if you are if you consider if you have a limiting belief you consider that everything you do is just going to fail um you know it sometimes it will hold us back um in that we decide, well, I'm not going to put myself out there again, because this is just not going to be effective. Um, and that's not a, always a bad thing to, to realize that maybe this isn't your um, moment. But at the same time, it can also make us so cautious and guarded that, that we miss out on these opportunities that, you know, it's like, oh, well, I was never really good at that. You know, and I can think of one in particular It'd be like dancing. Okay, I am the the worst. I am the stereotypical, you know, forty three year old three year old guy dancing um, who is just horrific at it. I can't do it. I love to sing. I love all mu everything to do with music, listening to music, but I cannot dance to a rhythm to save my life without feeling like a moron. And so, in a very um, simplistic idea. You know, like when my wife said to me, I want to do dancing lessons. Well, here's my thing. If my wife signs me up for dancing lessons, like she wants to do ballroom dancing or something, I'll do it. I won't even bulk. I'll go to everyone. I'll be totally fine with it because she knows what she's getting into. Uh, <laughs> but um, for me to say, OK, like when she asked me, do you want to do this? I'm like, OK, um, if she thinks I'm going to sign up for that, um, she's mistaken because I won't knowingly like alone put myself out there but if she wants sure. me along i'm all for it and so so that's just kind of a, a silly example of it but but um this i really do think it it does impact our choices if you you know you find a new experience and you love that experience you are empowered to pursue more experiences like that if you find a new experience and it's a horrible experience you use that as kind of a backdrop anytime you attempt to do something like that again. And I think this is huge with, with basic fear. You know, you're afraid of a snake. Why are you afraid of a snake? You're afraid of a snake because maybe you read about them. Maybe one bit you one time. And now every time you see a snake, you see fear, you see panic, you see getting bit. And therefore the, the odds of you interacting with that at all, besides running the other way are pretty slim. Because sure. You have that backdrop for it. Same way with, you know, if it's a good thing and, and you successfully do it, you know, you have that backdrop that then, well, hell, go do it. Even if you fail, 
maybe you'll learn something from it. And I think for most people, if they could get that lesson down, that, you know, that whole idea um, that you can fail a thousand times and you, know, you can consider it failure. Um, and I know you've used the quote for it before, but or you just consider it a way that didn't work. And now you're going to try to find a way that does work. And so right. uh, I think that that's kind of at the, the heart of how it can impact our behavior and performance. But but what would you add to, to that? Well, you know, and I, and I would I would add to that that I think the the important side of the two of these is that limiting belief side. And I know I, I talk to a, um, I have like a freshman introduction class and we do a lot of, I'll say life coaching, but maybe not that formal. But one of the pieces of advice that I really try to hammer home to the young students in our program, and I would offer this to any sort, well, anybody really, but specifically to young people who are just sort of finding their path is the, 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 the piece of advice is said, set your sail, like don't keep your sail wrapped up because even if you're moving in the wrong direction, you can course correct to the right direction. But if you never move, if you never let that sail catch air, you're just sitting in the middle of water. And I think that, that from the reflection and the self-awareness piece and, and the block that we're in right now in, in the emotional intelligence sort of uh, continuum is to really spend some time reflecting on those core limiting beliefs, because those are the things that are keeping us from setting that sail. And I think, I think that to me would be the, the big sort of, if you do nothing else, spend some time trying to focus on limiting beliefs, because if they can be used for the powers of good and the okay, I know that I, I, I typically am weak at this or, or I haven't done a lot of this thing, but dang it, let's give it a shot. Okay, so if you stink, then, then you've learned that you stink and you can find new ways to spend your time. But if it's a, you know, I was offered this chance and I passed it up because of a limiting belief and that chance never comes around again, then you're saddled with that sort of pain of regret and that what if. And I think that, that is the most damaging byproduct of limiting beliefs is that idea of what if, because at some point we're not able to revisit those things, be it because of age, station in life, whatever. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, harp on the, oh, no regrets, do everything. But there is a lot of truth to that, that idea of, you know, as, as I've always been told, the answer is always no till you ask the question. Or you never really know if you're good or bad at something until you try it, but try it in earnest, right? Because my whole thing is, in coupled with set a sale, is don't leave yourself an out. Because if you don't fully commit to trying something, you'll always be able to say, well, no, I was never really good at it anyway. If you're going to jump in, jump into the pool. Don't go down the ladder. Jump into the pool and, and start swimming. Because inaction sometimes can be is almost universally worse than no action. Because if you if you are acting in a different way that is perhaps wrong, you can either talk to someone who knows that can help you, or you can learn it experientially. But set your sail, and and the empowering beliefs are easy for us to do that. But really, sort of getting in touch with the limiting beliefs helps us do that better. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it. I love that idea of set your sail. 
Um, okay, so let's then go into the leaving part. What, what do we want to leave people with this week? Sure. So, I, you know, I think as, as we call uh, to action, you know, what we really want to hear from you are, are one of each. Tell us uh, an empowering belief. Tell us how it became that way. Tell us some of the opportunities that you've sought out because of that empowering belief. And then we'd really, really love to hear about one of your limiting beliefs. And if you feel called to be vulnerable with us, share kind of where it's come from and, and if it's held you back from doing things. And, you know, I'm all for, for presenting solutions, right? Don't just complain and, and, and bring up a problem. Let's find a way to, to work through it. But maybe as you're reflecting on that limiting belief, what are some what are some some bullet points towards maybe trying to work through that that limiting belief to making it empowering or at least make it neutral? Um, because I think that there is a lot of growth potential in in really allowing yourself to work through those limiting beliefs, because if that limiting belief exists only because one person told you that thing when you were six and you've excuse me, you've never revisited that. Well, now's the time to revisit it. Why not? No time like the present. Um, and so we'd love to hear one of each of those. Do you want to qualify either of those? No, I don't. I, I'm still stuck on set your sale, so I'm good. <laughs> good. So what we would love for you to do is to send that feedback to either of our outreach channels. Certainly the, the more formal one is our email address. Uh, it is howyoufeelingpodcast at gmail.com. How, the letter U, feeling, podcast at gmail.com. Or you can give us the Cliff Notes version on our Twitter handle at H-U-F podcast. In either case, we can't wait to explore that with you and, and interact with you in that way. Uh, Jeff, uh, if people want to hear more from you on social media, how can they do it? Um, they can find me at Haverlin J on Twitter. Super. And again, if you want to find me on the Twitter sphere, you can find me at KP Katani. Uh, in keeping with our recent trend of sort of letting you know what's coming up, our next topic uh, is something that will actually sort of be the third part in the three-part series of core beliefs, empowering limiting beliefs, and trying to work with and maybe change beliefs. And it's this idea of cognitive reframing. Um, oh, no, cognitive processing and reframing, otherwise known as CPR. Not necessarily the physical life-saving technique, but the maybe mental life-saving technique. Um, so we'll talk about CPR next time. And you'll kind of see why we jumped into the core belief, empowering, limiting belief pool when we start to talk about CPR. And then the next two topics are, are brothers to each other or sisters or brother and sister to each other. And they are the ideas of problem-focused thinking and solution-focused thinking. And I think those, you know, in a different way, extend on sort of beliefs and thoughts and feelings and all that. So again, our next three topics coming up, if you want to sort of reach out with questions or concerns ahead of time, would be cognitive processing and reframing, and then limiting, or excuse me, problem-focused thinking, and then solution-focused thinking. Uh, so as always, we thank you so, so much for spending time with us. We hope that something that we said today speaks to you in some way, and, and maybe uh, promote some dialogue either in your own circle or with us or both. Uh, so for Dr. Jeff Haverland, uh, I'm Dr. C. Uh, continue to take care of yourself. Continue to look out for your village. And as always, thanks for listening to another episode of How You Feeling. Mm -hmm.